What's up, Dolphin fans? This is Aaron the Brain. Welcome to another episode of the same old Dolphin show. Looks like I'm flying solo again as we do our preview show of the Dolphins Week 10 matchup against the Carolina Panthers. As I record, it is uh, about 8.30 in the morning on Friday. It's a football Friday. It's an exciting weekend down here in South Florida. An exciting football weekend. Uh, Not because of the Dolphins, who don't actually play this weekend. They play on Monday night in Carolina. But the other professional football team in South Florida is our college team, the Miami Hurricanes, referred to uh, by some as a professional football team. They're at least covered that way and followed that way uh, by their fan base. Big game, Catholics versus the convicts, uh, reimagined, reunited, whatever you want to call it. The Miami Hurricanes, number seven in the country taking on the number three ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Huge game down here. Biggest game for the Miami Hurricanes in probably about 15 years. So there's a lot of energy down here, and hopefully the Miami Hurricanes will get the weekend started off right with a victory, and uh, we'll have a lot of positive energy down here in South Florida heading into the Monday night game in Carolina Uh, with the Miami Dolphins facing the Carolina Panthers. Before we get into that breakdown of that game, just wanted to remind you to uh, like, rate, review uh, the podcast on uh, iTunes or whatever device you use or or app that you use to, uh, to download and listen uh, let us know what you think of the show. Uh, we hope that you like it. If you don't, you could tell us exactly what you don't like, and we'll try to not do that so much. And you could tell us what you do like, and we'll try to do more of it. Uh, ultimately, we want to make this show as good as possible, as interactive as possible. Also, make sure that you are following us on social media, following us on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. You can follow me at Aaron the Brain. You can follow Josh at Amplified to Rock. And make sure that you're following Bad Bruno, uh, Bad Bruno, excuse me, who gave us the awesome punk rock cover of the Dolphins fight song, which we use every week as our intro and uh, our tag theme song really awesome job by those guys really cool band uh, you guys should check them out give them a listen and give them a follow on twitter at bad bruno so as we begin to break down this game between the dolphins and the panthers what it looks like is we've got two teams that are moving in opposite directions uh, of course the miami dolphins uh, it's been a it's been a streaky season, I guess you can say. Uh, they they won the opener, then they lost two in a row and looked miserable doing so, and then they found a way to string three wins together, even though they didn't really look great. They they looked resilient. They looked a lot like the team that made the playoffs last year, which was to say that. 
you know, they didn't necessarily look like an elite team, but they were a team that found ways to win. And they found ways to win three weeks in a row in three close games. The last two weeks, uh, you had the, the embarrassment uh, against Baltimore, 40 to nothing on national television on a Thursday night game. And then last week, uh, again on national television at home against the Oakland Raiders, a team that came in reeling. Uh, the Raiders get the 27-24 victory in a game that, yeah, we lost by three points and it wasn't like it was a blowout, but, uh, you know, save for a, dol- a late Dolphins touchdown, uh, you know, it really wasn't the closest game in the world. But I, I guess, you know, if the Dolphins get that onside kick, you know, I, I guess then, you know, maybe things got interesting in that one. But uh, nonetheless, it was the first time that the Dolphins lost a game decided by six point or seven points or less in over a year. They had won... I think it was 12 in a row until last week in games decided by seven or less. Of course, you can't expect to win all of those close games by by nature, by math. Uh, you know, those things tend to even out and still winning 12 out of the last 13. Uh, there's probably still some regression left to go uh, in the where the close games are concerned. So... Uh, not surprising that the Dolphins finally dropped a close one. On the other end, the Carolina Panthers over the last two weeks have looked great. Uh, they got a 17 to three victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers two weeks ago, a game in which their defense looked absolutely dominant. Uh, and then last week against the defending NFC champs in an NFC South rivalry game, uh, they took care of business against the Atlanta Falcons. Things got a little bit close late, but the Carolina Panthers held on for the 20-17 to victory and now sit at 6-3, and three, just a half game behind the New Orleans Saints for the lead in the NFC South, very much in the thick of things in the NFC playoff race. So here's how I see this game. Uh, let's look at some key matchups. Both of these offenses, well, let's, let's take a look at first the Dolphins offense versus the Carolina Panthers defense. Uh, the Dolphins offense, obviously the big story a little more than a week ago now, uh, was the Dolphins trading their running back, Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi, uh, one of the premier running backs in the NFL, particularly because of his ability to get yards after contact, one of the truly physical runners in the league, one of the big bruisers. And it just looks like, I mean, obviously there were personality differences there between Jay Ajayi and Adam Gase, but One week after the trade, one game down, what it appears to me is that there was a style clash there. Adam Gase, in his history as an offensive coordinator, in his history as a a head coach, he's a guy that likes running backs that can do multiple things. He likes running backs that 
can get out of the backfield and be used as a big part in the passing game. He did that with Matt Forte in Chicago uh, when he was in Denver. I believe it was Sean Moreno that was there and had a big year in the passing game with Peyton Manning. And, and last week, as you saw in the first game in the post-Jay Ajayi era, you saw between Damian Williams and Kenyon Drake, you saw 12 receptions by the running backs. Uh, and I believe it was on 12 targets. So uh, definitely, you know, this is something that you're going to see a lot of. I think the, the absence of Jay Ajayi, it, no, no question, it hurts the Dolphins' running game. Um, save for one really long run, a 42-yard run by Kenyon Drake in the game last week against Oakland, the Dolphins really didn't get much of a consistent running game going. But it appears like that's not going to be a big part of this offense. It looks like now... With two running backs like Drake and Williams, who are adept at catching the ball out of the backfield, that the Dolphins are going to be a team that passes first. They're going to be passing a lot, and they're going to be using the short pass, whether it's to the running backs, whether it's to Jarvis Landry, and that's going to kind of serve as their running game. Um, they, they're still going to run the ball, but it looks like they're probably going to try to use more the width of the field through the short passing game to try to spread defenses out and then kind of keep them off balance with the running game. And it was something that, that seemed to work last week. Um, you know, I've been very critical about that trade. I still believe that, uh, if you really wanted to, to make a statement to Jay Ajayi, uh, you know, you could have benched him for a week and I believe you could have held on to him. And I, I believe you could have gotten more than a late fourth round pick uh, if you had held on to him uh, into the offseason. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, at this point, it, it's over. It's done. The Dolphins have no choice but to move on. They got a fourth round pick out of it. And one game since the departure of Jay Ajayi, the offense looked pretty good. Now, I'm not going to go overboard and and talk about how great the offense looked when, you know, they had 16 points until very late in the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter of that game, they had a couple of opportunities with good field possession, I might add, to have drives that could have put the Dolphins in the game or, or taken the lead in that game early in the fourth quarter, and they failed to do so. So I'm not going to just go overboard in my praise of how the Dolphins' offense looked last week without Jay Ajayi, but I will say that they did look improved. They did look to have uh, some more free flow to their offense. Now, how much of that was throwing to the running backs, not having Jay Ajayi? How much of that was guys buying in? after the quote-unquote message was sent, and how much of that was simply because they were playing a defense in the Oakland Raiders that, frankly, isn't very good. That remains to be seen. Hard to tell off of a one-game sample what to make out of it. Now, what I'll say in this game is you're going up against a Carolina Panthers defense that has been elite uh, and has especially been elite over the past three weeks. Uh, this is a top 10 defense in the league. And over the last three weeks, uh, 
two of the last three weeks, they have not given up a touchdown. Uh, at least their, their defense has not given up a touchdown. They gave up two defensive scores in their 17-3 loss to Tampa a few weeks ago. But even, I mean, not to Tampa, I'm sorry, to Chicago a couple of weeks ago. They beat Tampa 17-3 uh, two weeks ago. But even in that loss to Chicago where they lost 17-3, to they gave up less than 200 yards of offense. The defense continued to roll the following week against Tampa Bay. And the defense looked great last week as well. Uh, they've got a solid run defense. So it's, and, and like we said, uh, it's not going to be the MO of this Dolphins team going forward without Jay Ajayi to be some rushing juggernaut. So, uh, it's probably going to be difficult for them to find their run lanes in this one, especially with the news that Jawan James, uh, is, is doubtful. Uh, he's got a hamstring injury and the Dolphins actually you know, there was some question as to how serious the injury was, and those questions uh, really uh, came to a head when the Dolphins ended up making a roster move, signing Zach Sterup from the Browns practice squad earlier this week. Uh, and that indicates that probably Juwan James is going to miss some time here with this injury, uh, and that means that Sam Young is going to be there at, at right tackle. He's had his issues. Not, I mean, he's, he's a decent fill-in tackle, at, at least on the right side. At least you're not putting him in charge of protecting Jay Cutler's blind side. Uh, but he's not, you know, he's not a starting tackle in this league anymore. So, uh, you know, that, that could be an issue. And, and you saw when Jawan James went out last week. Uh, the, the offense really struggled from that point forth. So you hope maybe with, with a week of reps and a week of practice that maybe Sam Young plays a little bit better and, and, and is able to help solidify this offensive line in a, in a really key matchup. Uh, but, but that said, I don't expect the Dolphins to have much success running the ball and throwing the ball. Look, I think the short passes. That, that's what the Dolphins want to do, and that's what they're going to need to do in this game because the Carolina Panthers have been a very good pass defense, and everything that they do defensively against the pass really starts up front with the front four creating pressure. The, the Carolina Panthers second in the league in sack percentage, uh, one of the best pass rushes in the NFL, and that means that a Dolphins offensive line that has at some time sh struggled mightily to protect the passer is going to have problems, uh, you know, trying to, to throw the ball downfield. Uh, they're probably not going to have much time for Jay Cutler to sit back in that pocket and throw the ball downfield. So I think you can look to the, to the short passing game. I think that's clearly the game plan. Um, but when that's clearly the game plan and you go up against a defense that both is ready for it and is quite good, uh, I just don't know how much success you can expect to have. And so I think that this is going to be a, a struggle for the Dolphins offense to try to put points up on the board against this talented Carolina Panthers defense. Now, when Carolina has the ball, 
Carolina has had a bit of a renaissance over the last couple of weeks. Um, coming into the season, Cam Newton coming off of off-season shoulder surgery, the, the stories were, we're not going to use Cam Newton in the rushing game so much. Uh, we're going to try to be a more conventional offense. Then they also went out and they drafted Christian McCaffrey in the first round, a uh, dual threat running back, really exciting player, uh, really, really quick, really fast, great hands. Uh, they go ahead and they use him with the first round pick in spite of the fact that over the last couple of years, no team has thrown fewer passes to running backs than the Carolina Panthers. And the idea was they, they were going to change things up a little bit using, using Cam Newton a little bit less in the, in the running game, having Cam Newton throw, you know, shorter passes, try to make him a little bit more efficient in the passing game. Over the first month or so of the season, it was kind of mixed results. You were seeing, first off, Cam Newton was not running the ball as much. That's, that is clear. And there was some question as to whether or not he was 100% recovered from the shoulder surgery. And he was completing a lot of passes to Christian McCaffrey. Um, in fact, Christian McCaffrey at this point this season, 72 targets, uh, for Christian McCaffrey, which is the most targets of any running back in the National Football League. So certainly that's been a huge part of the game plan. The thing is he hasn't, he hasn't gained that many yards. Um, and, and part of that because, you know, defenses have keyed in to him. He, in spite of the fact of being, you know, a, a very elusive player in college, um, hasn't been able to really generate very many missed tackles at the next level. But, uh, you know, he, he's made a lot of catches. He's had a couple of big plays. Now, over the last two weeks, what you've seen, especially last week, is Carolina has has gone a little bit back to basics. And what I mean by back to basics is, look, you've got a dynamic player you use that dynamic player and you and you use him in the in the best way possible. You take advantage of all the tools that he has. And I'm talking about Cam Newton. I'm talking about the last two weeks, Cam Newton has run the ball 20 times. They've gone back to it and they've said, look, we're struggling to run the ball. Jonathan Stewart's not getting it done. Christian McCaffrey, we're only using sparingly in the running game. Let's go back. We want to be a physical running team, and our best runner is Cam Newton. And over the last two weeks, Cam Newton, 20 carries for 130 yards and a pair of touchdowns. It is It has changed what they've done. Uh, it has inspired the team on both ends, and Carolina looks like they are getting back on track to being closer to the team that they were just a couple of years ago. Uh, when they were representing the NFC in the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos. Uh, now, as far as the passing game is concerned, Carolina has gone through a bit of a change over the last couple of weeks as well, because a couple of weeks ago at the trade deadline, or I should say last week, you know, a little over a week ago, they traded their leading receiver, Kelvin Benjamin, to the Buffalo Bills for a third round and a seventh round pick. And so what that has left them with is it's left them with Devin Funches as their lead go-to receiver. And 
Christian McCaffrey. And Funchess is is a similar player to, to Benjamin. I would say maybe not quite as consistent, maybe not the hands that Benjamin has, but both big physical receivers that uh that Cam likes to look to, uh, especially in the red zone. The thing is, after Devin Funches, they're really questionable at wide receiver. Uh, Curtis Samuel is, would be the, the guy that saw the most targets other than Funches as far as a wide receiver last week. Uh, and that was only five targets with only two receptions, or maybe it was three receptions last week against Atlanta. Really, the guy that they want to throw the ball to uh, is the guy that leads them in targets, which is Christian McCaffrey, who, like I said, leads the National Football League in targets by a running back. And in addition to that, he also he played his most snaps last week, and he had his most rushing attempts last week, and he had really his marquee game so far. And so you see this a lot, that sometimes when you have these these faster, quicker running backs, whether you call them scat backs, third down backs, you know, dual threats, whatever you want to call them, sometimes they struggle to run the ball between the tackles. And yet sometimes when you put them next to a quarterback that can run the ball themselves and can really keep defensive ends and linebackers honest, it creates lanes for those running backs that wouldn't necessarily be there with a more standard drop back quarterback. And these smaller running backs, these dual threats, scat backs, again, whatever you want to call them, these guys often, because they're not as great getting yards after contact, they're not going to drag tacklers that extra two or three yards. They need the bigger lanes. And at least last week, the bigger lanes were there for Christian McCaffrey. And I expect to see Christian McCaffrey get a bigger workload again than uh, Jonathan Stewart, uh, you know, upwards of, you know, 12 to 15 carries, I would suspect, and then another 8 to 10 targets in the passing game. I, I expect that the Carolina Panthers want to get Christian McCaffrey about 20 touches a game. And so that's really two of the big keys, I think, for the Dolphins' defense in this game is, one, containing Cam Newton – not allowing Cam Newton to get outside of the pocket or break contain or go for big runs, um, whether designed or undesigned on scrambles. And then number two, it's, it's defending Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, uh, in the passing game. Now, this is something that the Dolphins struggled with a lot last year was defending against opposing running backs who caught the ball out of the backfield. And we saw it early on in the season. Uh, we saw Melvin Gordon have a big game. We saw Alvin Kamara have a big game. And we saw Kiko Alonso last week struggle covering the tight end, Jared Cook, of the Oakland Raiders. And you wonder, you know, if this turns into a situation where the Carolina Panthers look at that game film and they say, well, we don't necessarily have 
this great receiving tight end. But what we do have is Christian McCaffrey. And if we can get Christian McCaffrey lined up on Kiko Alonso in man coverage, then we like that matchup. And so I think that's something to keep an eye on. I don't know if Lawrence Timmons can maybe do a better job. You know that Ray Malaluga is not going to be that adept at, at coverage. He's a guy that you're going to see more in the base defense, sitting in the middle, defending the run. Um, he might be a guy that maybe spies a little bit on a Cam Newton in this game. But I really think that uh, Christian McCaffrey is a big matchup problem for the Miami Dolphins defense in this game. And one other key for the Miami Dolphins defense in this game. Did you know that in five of the last six games, the Miami Dolphins defense has allowed a touchdown pass of 29 yards or more. In fact, over that stretch, the only game in which the Dolphins did not allow a touchdown pass of 29 yards or more was the game against Tennessee. And if you remember correctly, there was actually an 80-yard touchdown pass to Delaney Walker that was called back on a questionable pass interference in that game. So we're really talking about six weeks in a row that this Miami Dolphins secondary has really allowed big plays uh, for opposing offenses. And that is a recipe for disaster, uh, you know, really every week. But especially for a team that struggles to generate points on their own, um, the Dolphins can't afford to give the other team easy scores. They, it's such a struggle for the Dolphins, the way that they want to, the way that they want to move the ball, uh, slowly, methodically, short passes, third and manageables, you know, 10, 12, 15 play drives. It's so difficult for the Dolphins to put together scoring drives and especially have them end in touchdowns. It's demoralizing to go 12, 15 plays, come away with a field goal, and then when you give the ball to the opposing team, three plays and it's a touchdown. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a, it's more than just the points. It's more than just the time of possession. It's the momentum swing that it causes in the game. And the Dolphins secondary really needs to clean that up. Last week, Rashad Jones, he had a, he had a rough game. I mean, he's an elite player, so you have no worries that he's going to bounce back. But these Dolphin corners, uh, you know, Xavier Howard, Cordray Tankersley, look, they're, they're talented. They look good at times, but they're young and they're far from elite, at least at this point. And, they're going to need to do a better job and Rashad Jones is going to need to do a better job. Now, one bit of good news is that this week, the Dolphins get back their strong safety, TJ McDonald, whom they signed in the offseason in spite of the fact that he uh, was suspended for the first eight games of the year. So the Dolphins really like TJ McDonald, uh, so much so that they signed him to a four-year extension prior to him even playing a game. For the team. So, you know, they, they obviously like what he brings. Uh, in coverage, he's okay. Uh, but he really where he, he makes his money is if you think about, you know, the big strong safeties like a Cam Chancellor in Seattle, that's kind of what TJ McDonald is. He's a thumper. He is like having an extra linebacker on the field. He's a big hitter. Um, 
and he can do some things in coverage. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what he brings to the table, how he helps this Dolphins defense, especially how he helps them in the back end and, uh, you know, really taking control of the middle of the field, at least in the secondary, and to see if he can help alleviate some of the problems that this Dolphins secondary has had, uh, allowing big plays in the passing game. So, that's the breakdown. That's the matchup. Here's the prediction. Like I said, I think it's going to be a struggle for the Dolphins' offense. Um, I I don't expect them to have much success running the ball. I don't expect them to pound their head against the wall trying to run the ball, though. I expect them to try to move the ball with the with the passing game. Try to spread out this Carolina defense. Quick hitters. If they're able to get some flow going, um, then they might be able to to get to mix in the running game. Maybe hit some. Maybe hit a deep pass or two. Uh, but it's hard to expect that from a Dolphins offense that simply hasn't gotten it done all year. So uh, I think they're going to struggle to put up points, and that means that the onus is on the defense. The onus is on the defense to keep this a low scoring close game to force turnovers um, Cam Newton is a, is a guy that you can turn over you can force into some mistakes um, but Carolina also the last couple of weeks they've kind of gone to their identity which is look they want to rely on their defense they want to hang their hat on a strong running game that uh, is spearheaded by Cam Newton himself it you know Carolina would be happy to run the ball 40 times and keep Cam Newton under 20 throwing attempts, which means uh, you're kind of neutralizing a guy like a, like a Cam Wake. You're neutralizing that pass rush. You're neutralizing um, the secondary by basically, you know, trying to avoid risk in the passing game. Uh, the good news for the Dolphins, uh, you know, we said that they've given up a lot of of big plays in the passing game. This is not a big play offense. This is you know, this is not a a passing game that that takes a lot of shots. Uh, you know they traded away Kelvin Benjamin, who was kind of their big play guy. But even him, he's more of a possession guy. Funchess is more of a possession guy. Uh, Samuel, uh, he's got some speed, and I guess if if they're going to get a big play in the passing game, he would be the guy that I would look out for and account for. But I don't expect Carolina to get very many big plays in the passing game. I think Carolina, by the same token, they're going to try to use the short passing game, the, the intermediate passing game to Funchess, and really rely heavily on the run game. The Dolphins have stopped the run very well, you know, thus far this season, but Cam Newton is a different animal. And I wonder, you know, how they're going to handle uh, stopping a guy like Cam Newton, um, especially if they get spread out uh, by a guy like Christian McCaffrey. My gut says the Dolphins defense will have an inspired effort. Uh, you know, third straight game on national TV. Dolphins have lost the last two. Uh, four and four coming in. It's a big game. Look, last year, look, I've been killing the team all week. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of do this dance 
every week where they look bad on Sunday and I kill them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday rolls around and being the Dolphin fan that I am, I start looking at, you know, well, maybe there's a way that we can win this. And I start putting on the the Dolphin hat and and seeing things through aqua and orange lenses and start to think, you know, maybe maybe we've got a chance in this game. Um, I'm not going to say we don't have a chance in this one, but right now everything is telling me that this is just not a good matchup for Miami. Um, this is a Miami team that's headed in the wrong direction. It's a Carolina team that's headed in the right direction. Look, the season's not necessarily over. If you're look, there's two ways to look at it. If you're one of those optimistic fans, you look at it, at it and say the Dolphins are four and four. They were four and four last year, and they finished six and two and made the playoffs at ten and six. Uh, if you're a glass half empty fan, you look at it and you say, well, yeah, the Dolphins are four and four, but they're bottom five in the league in point differential, and they have their toughest part of the schedule still yet to come. And it's going to be difficult for the Dolphins to finish any better than six and 10, as opposed to 10 and six. I tend to lean more towards the latter, but that said, you still got to play the games and you still got to see how it plays out. I don't hold a crystal ball. But if I was to look into my crystal ball, in my gut and in my brain, it says that the Miami Dolphins lose this game, a low-scoring game, 20-12. to 12. Carolina victorious in this one. So, I, as usual, when I pick against the Dolphins, I hope that I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, I get the feeling that this is kind of we we've seen kind of the beginning as one as one uh fan put it on twitter the beginning of the inevitable slide uh that's the way it feels as a dolphin fan hopefully they can kind of put a stem in that but i think going forward look one thing i'll say is that no matter how this season ends even if this season ends miraculously and the Dolphins making the playoffs, you cannot look at this team and say that they're close. And so to me, what the second half of this season is about, more so than wins or losses, more so than whether or not we make the playoffs, it is about identifying the players that are part of the long-term plan for the Miami Dolphins' future. And identifying the players probably more importantly who are not and when you identify who's part of the long-term plan and you identify who is not it makes it clear the positions that you need to address in the draft the positions that you need to address or not address in free agency trades that need to be made players that need to be let go players that need to be retained and it gets you a clearer picture of just how far or how close this Dolphins team is to sincerely competing for a Super Bowl, which should ultimately be the goal. The goal should not be going into every season hoping and praying to go to 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six and sneak into the playoffs just to get an extra game. The goal needs to be to try to win. And uh, I don't think that this team is very close, 
But that said, you still want to see them get the most out of the talent that they have. So you want to see them make the playoffs. And if they're going to make the playoffs, I think it's got to start with a win on Monday night. I don't think they've got it in me because I think they're the same old Dolphins. But maybe I'm wrong. Until the post game, this is Aaron the Brain. For Josh Katzker, I am Aaron Katzker. See y'all next week. Let's go, Dolphins.